Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi, this is Chatting with Nat, and it's Natalie Jean. It's Natalie Jean. Today we have the honor of having versatile violinist Efrit. Efrit believes in the power of music to transform, heal, and evoke change. This belief not only shines through in her powerful performances, while also in her poignantly personal songwriting. Her third release, We Just Need Love, is the result of her own transformation as a mother, an artist, and an empathetic soul searcher looking to connect with the world around her. Prior releases landed her songs in movies and much more. Check her out. You won't be disappointed. Let's give her a round of applause. Hi, Efrat. Did I do a good job with your name? <laughs> not not bad at all. Better than most. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one. I know that. I'm used to, I've been called all sorts of things, and it used to be way worse because my mom didn't know English when I was born very well yet. She did, but not well enough, and so she thought everything with a T had to have an H. Um, so I was called Ephrath. I got, I got it. I got it. Oh, my God. Yeah. How have you been during this crazy, crazy, crazy pandemic? Oh, it's been a doozy. Um, I have a child. I think, you know, you, you know this. I have a child who is, um, he has a rare heart disorder, hmm. which makes him high risk for complications. Um, the disorder that he has, actually, any time a fever is, is there, it's an issue. So, like, he actually got a um, SICD. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, probably <laughs> most people don't. I'm used to the words now. So that stands for subcutaneous internal cardio defibrillator. And basically, um, you, you hear about a lot of older people getting these after they've had heart right. attacks. But basically, he got one um, because he started exhibiting um, the Brugada pattern even when he didn't have a fever. And when you have this pattern in your EKG, it puts you at like 40% greater risk of having a heart attack. Oh. And uh, yeah, and uh it's perfectly healthy people otherwise. Athletes. You, you know how you hear about athletes who just drop dead on the field at age 17 yeah, suddenly? Yeah. That's this disorder. Oh, wow. So oh, we're wow. lucky. We're, we're very lucky in many ways. You know, we found out that there was a possibility he had this in June 2018 when he passed out. And we went to the emergency room and they saw something on his EKG. But he passed out. He didn't have a heart attack. And most people who find out they have this disorder in their families, somebody has a heart attack and only 20% of them live. When you have a heart attack out of hospitals, less than 20% of people who have a heart attack outside of a hospital will survive. So how did this affect him? I mean, because there's so many things about the coronavirus um, out there, COVID, um, especially in older people. I think a lot of older people have suffered heart attacks the ones that have passed on, 
in regards to the pandemic. So how has he fared during this time? Well, you know, he, oh, he has his bad days, um, which is to be expected. Actually, yesterday was one of them. Um, but overall, he's doing amazing. Overall, he has an amazing attitude. You know, it's, it's been difficult. He hasn't been able to right. see any of his friends. The only friends that he was, the only, only people who are even kids that he was able to see, I have a close friend. They moved to Chicago in, end of August, or sorry, mm-hmm. mid-August. But before that, they were living outside of Philly, and they have two kids, and their daughter is, is compromised, too. She was born at 24 and a half weeks and had cancerous cells in her lungs, so she's also considered a special case. So they were also completely isolating, and that means, like, I don't go to stores. Um, I am doing gigs now here and there, but I'll do basically, like, four days of gigs. Then I start isolating again, um, and mm-hmm. I don't take my mask off inside ever, even for a gig. Right. Um, um, so I won't sing indoors right now because I won't unmask. Um, but, um, yeah, basically after that, I, I, I um, isolate for five days, take a PCR, wait one more day, and then pick him up because I don't no. want to get him sick. Yeah. That's a lot, but you're an awesome mom. You're a dedicated mom, that's for sure. Um, I'm also very lucky. I have parents who said to do that because I, I actually didn't take any gigs until June 9th. The only things I did were some live streams and I've been extremely lucky. I don't know if you got to see the two videos I put out for the video for my album so far, but I started um, making my own videos actually in 2018 in February um, because I got sick of hiring people who then didn't do what I wanted <laughs> Right. I'm like, why am I paying them not to do this, to do not what I want? Why am I telling them to do things, you know? And I just, I saw another musician who had a method how to record bands while playing with them. So I started learning from him and picking his brain a, you know, miracle for me because I had not, I didn't have much work during the pandemic. The first six months I had my few students because that was about 20% of my income. And I got a few more because a lot of people were stuck in. So I even got some from other states and stuff, which was cool, but it was, you know, like 20% of my income. Um, but about six months in, I got a call from a woman I know who also leads a choir that I accompany sometimes in Connecticut. And she said, do I remember that you make videos? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, do you work on Final Set Pro? I was like, I got it. She's like, can you make choir videos? And I was like, I haven't, but I'm sure I can figure it out. She's like, okay, let's give you a trial. And she had a company that started doing um, basically choir videos for all the churches and synagogues that couldn't meet. And I did one for her, and I ended up doing another 25 for her and then getting hired by a bunch of other people. And so I've been very, 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 very lucky Mm -hmm. that I happened to have picked this up a few years before because it's actually what has saved us. And allowed me to be the mom that I want to be because I know people who don't have the choice, you know, I mean, I know other people who were in my situation who had no choice but to go out and work for Instacart. And if I had to do that with my child, it would be, I think I'd have a heart attack out of worry. So, you know, as we both know, uh, the past, past couple of years, hell, past six years have been kind of, not even kind of, have been crazy. Um dealing with politics, George Floyd, and then the pandemic came along. It's just been a whirlwind. And sometimes I sit back and I I have to pinch myself. I have to really think about, are we living in a pandemic? Because it's just, 
it's surreal because these kind of things you don't really think about because you're, you know, you only think about these things, oh, 1940s, 1930s, 1960s, maybe that could have happened then, but not now with, you know, technology and everything that we have out there. Um, and Texas, I know. Yeah. yeah. And so I asked this of a lot of people, you know, um, so during this time, people have had a lot of time to reflect. And so I've had colleagues that have decided to quit their jobs because they want to do something that makes them happy then rather than, you know, making a lot of money. I actually quit my job for many, several different reasons, but it allowed me, you know, the pandemic gave me a lot of time to think. I have some people that I know that took, uh, took a step back, you know, to cut some hours back because they realized what? They weren't spending enough time with their family. And so they decided, you know what, family's more important. I saw way more people out in the streets with their families, walking, taking Mm -hmm. that time. Um, Climate change, oh, my gosh, pollution went down. The animals were happy. Mother Nature was happy. Obviously, the the pandemic was horrible because people died and people got sick. I actually got COVID and it was a bad experience. Um, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's, that's okay. It is what it is. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you when I, and it's different for everybody, but I just felt extreme, extremely empty, and I have all the lingering effects, which is horrific. Um, and then you have yeah. artists that decided to, um, you know, I, I know an artist that decided to totally rebrand, took all their music off, off the platform and just decided to do something totally different. And then you have artists that, said, you know what, I'm happy with the way that I am. I'm doing my thing. Then you have artists that decide, okay, I'm going to be an effective player with my music. I need to make a difference. So during this time, did anything change for you? Did you change your mind how you want to be perceived as an artist? That's a tough one. Um, I mean, yeah, definitely things changed. How I want to be perceived, I probably have not spent enough time thinking about that. Honestly, I just try to be me. And how people perceive me, you know, I know, I know we're supposed to do this branding thing. And I guess in a way I do, um, I mean, I believe, I like to say I'm, I'm music nature mom. Right. <laughs> and, you know, um, so the, the other things I do, you know, like I actually have a, a TikTok that I did start um, uh, because, because I've always, I've always been a DIYer, and it's not a music TikTok, actually. That's funny. I do put music on it, too, but it's actually not about that. I've always been a DIYer, but... You know, the first six months, again, I had, like, almost no work. Um, and I had bought a foreclosure 10 years ago that I had been slowly fixing up. So it actually gave me time to do things that I probably would have hired other people for, but I didn't want anybody in my house. I learned how to reframe a wall. Oh, wow. uh, catching holes is no big deal. I built a six-foot fence and gate um, on three sides with the open side, so we now have a, a closed-in backyard. Um okay. <laughs> erected a garden um so you know i i I have to stay busy or or my mind starts working against me i guess you could say and if that makes any sense and this was this was a really scary time and honestly i'm still i still feel like i'm in flux you know because things are changing so much and it's been very hard to be a musician i don't think i'll ever stop no matter what because it's a part of me i can't i can't stop but whether or not I will continue to do this as a full-time thing like I did before, I'm not sure. I'm actually still not sure. And it's very difficult because I'm afraid to take gigs. You know, just yesterday I I read about a 29-year-old in, I think it was Alabama or Kentucky. She was fully vaccinated and she died. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm terrified. You know, I'm terrified of getting my son sick, even right. if he gets vaccinated. Anytime he has a fever, if he gets a fever over, if he get, if his fever goes to 102 and I can't keep it below that, I have to take him to the hospital to be watched. <laughs> and my dad's also in severe heart failure, and I like to be able to see them, you know, my parents. So it's, you know, what's more important, really, you know? And, and, and that's honestly an easy question for me, family. My family is way more important to me than even the thing that I love the most in life, which is making music outside of them. So I will never quit making music, but I don't know if it's going to stay the same in the next few years. It really depends on what happens in the next few months with COVID and what changes we see because, you know, they're still learning. So Yeah, I, I get that and I appreciate that. Yeah, we just don't know. You know, I'm trying to do the music full time, um, and we just don't know how things are going to pan out. But luckily, I think you can still do it <clears throat> since they showed us yeah, the live differently. Streaming. Differently, there's live streaming. There's exactly. so many platforms where you can push your music. Um, it's just strategy. How you're going to market yep. it? How you're going to do your thing? Um, yeah, but I think a lot of people are in, in the same boat as you. And you know, they're really thinking about how do we get all this stuff done it's just pretty crazy now um because every yeah. day and on top yeah every day there's like a new variant oh <laughs> and yeah. be variant named after everybody i don't know <laughs> it's, and on it's, top of that oh sorry <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> i'm sorry yeah no yeah. it's like the variants are changing and everything else so because you know it's been interesting with schools my kid has not been in school since march of oh, wow. 2020. I actually pulled him out two weeks before they closed the schools because he was having surgery on March 19th. And I was terrified if he got sick before he wouldn't get the surgery. And I could not imagine going through COVID with him not having his SICD yet, you know, because I honestly hadn't slept before that. Um, uh, 60% of heart attacks with people who have this disorder happen when they're sleeping. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and on top of on top of that, the first I met, I joined. I was I was recommended to join a support group for Brigada. They told me go on Facebook. There's tons of Brigada support groups. I joined the support group, and there are these two moms. They're freaking awesome. Um, Pam Price, especially, shout out to her. She was really there for me when I was terrified. Um, and um, but the other woman I met, Sarah, uh, you know there was, they woke up to a child dead in bed. That's how they found out it was in their family. And um, they had, I think, two with, two others at the time and a third on the way, and two of the three kids have it, the other three kids have it, so they walked around with AEDs, which is what I did because they're too young to get their ICD. And the father, who'd never had a heart issue in his life, so if you're a kid, they don't do the invasive testing because it's a really invasive test, and I actually had to wait until COVID was almost over. I finally got tested this past April. They did a test in a freaking heart surgery room because if you have it, then you could go into cardiac arrest while they're doing the test. And in fact, I, I was fine. I don't have it. It's probably from his dad's side. Um, but this family, the father went in and got the test and had a heart attack right on the table. They immediately gave him an SICD for the next two years, nothing. And since then, he's had six heart attacks, three or four what? of them in his sleep. Yep. So he's oh. alive today because his son died. It sounds horrible, but that's the truth. He's alive today. If it wasn't his son having one for first, he would have probably been dead by now. And she would be alone with her kids who have it. Not all of them. You know, that so, whole thing about 
sorry to cut you off, but the whole thing about everything happens for a reason, you know, we don't, I always say we don't know why we're here. Uh, we, know, we, you know, we know within our hearts what we're destined to do. If we really think about things, the things that move us in our lives. I mean, sometimes people are just here to, to give you warning. It's tragic. I mean, the story that I you're doing is tragic, but it saved the life of that one person. Well, that's the thing, and I see I see what happened as an opportunity. Even my kid, we talked about it. Like when he first got it, you know, he mm-hmm. has to go to school, and um, you know, with it, and there are things he can't do. Like we have to be careful of him overheating. So I have him in swim team, or I did have him in swim team, and I will again once he's able to, <laughs> um, because then you don't have to worry about overheating. Um, and you know, one time a kid made fun of him because he wasn't he couldn't do something. And so I said, let's use this as an opportunity. So we called, and I asked him how he felt about talking to the class and just explaining what he has and showing them the scar and telling them the story. I said, you know, people are afraid of what they don't know or what they don't understand. And you have an opportunity here if you're willing to do it and you're brave enough, which I think you are, to do something great with this. And so he actually got up in front of his class with the school nurse and they told the whole class about his experience so that the the class would understand what he was dealing with and could be, and I think this is, I think, you know, I'm going to say something that's totally off subject, but it's important. Why is it that so many people cannot understand how important healthcare, socialized healthcare and socialized health is until they need it? Exactly. That's true. We had to, I'm, I, I'm a musician, so I'm not rich. I make a living. I'm okay. Um, but he is on New Jersey family care because I make, I don't make a hundred thousand a year, you know? So if you make, I think it's like 85,000, I'm a single mom and I choose to be with my family a lot of times instead of doing things like good to make more money I have. So I'm not rich. I make enough and I never cared about that. I'd rather be with my family more, you know? Um, but there was a whole thing where, you know, he had to go to CHOP, Philly, Philadelphia Children's Hospital for, for everything. That's where they have the specialists. Nobody in Jersey. Jersey sent us there, you know. Mm. And then a year and a half ago, we get a letter that because he already had, a, you know, because he's having a surgery there, they're going to grandfather him in and that they'll be able to do it for at least the next year and a half. But uh, they don't know after that because New Jersey Family Care doesn't want to send kids out of state. But the problem is being next to Pennsylvania in New York and New York, there's a lot of specialists that don't exist in New Jersey. So it was a fight. And there were letters sent. I mean, it was a fight for a year and a half. Governor Murphy just got it changed about five months ago. Three, not even, no, this summer. This, this summer was like June, May or June. I can't remember because I found out about it like right before. I was like, we got to take care of the hearings. We got it right, right. now. <laughs> um, and then with school. Um, last year they had online for my kid. It was amazing. You know, they had hybrid half the time, which was amazing for my child. And then this year he put out a mandate that nobody's allowed to do online in New Jersey. Yeah, it's changed since then, but it was so strict that a week, you know, a week before school, I'm talking to the principal and and the superintendent trying to see what can be done. And they're like, sorry, but, you know, even though you have a a reason and doctor's notes and everything, you definitely don't have to be school. We can't approve online for the Governor Murphy. So we're going to have to have him in this program called EduSeer. We can't recommend it was an outline. We make sure he's doing everything. And then he calls tutors who are available if he needs help. Which was just like ridiculous. So I was one of twenty thousand parents calling, you know, the the government office, writing letters almost daily, 
Um, it was like sort of like a 15-minute routine in the morning, you know, write right. the letters, make the phone calls. It worked. It didn't work until, you know, the second week of school. <laughs> so we're still now setting up the new thing with the home-based instructors who are now allowed to do online. It's insane. So, but, you know, it's like you were saying, there's silver linings. That's my last album, by the way, and, and which was, I, I found silver linings out of getting a divorce and other things, but there are constantly silver linings. You know, and there are there are with it too, and 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 right there is one of them. So, well, I love the fact that you got your son to speak to the class about you know what he's going through because I don't think schools really deal with um, bullying the best way that they should. <laughs> because Definitely you not. Still have a huge amount of bullying in the world in this school system, and I think they need to really focus on these bullies and because obviously with bullies there's something going on with them that they're lashing out at somebody else it's but i kudos to you and kudos to your son for standing up and say look this is what i'm going through no point in making fun of me this is, it is what it is and you know this is how i live i mean I, that's that's phenomenal um now <laughs> yeah let's talk about uh, so many things so what was it about the music industry that you said, whoa, this is me? Was it something that you saw, you heard? What was it that was just like, oh, my gosh, I just got to do this? It was playing it. It wasn't anything about being anybody. I mean, obviously, there are a million artists, not a million, but lost. I, I'm, I like what Herbie Hancock said about music. There's good music and bad music. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, and I'm a pretty open person when it comes to music. I listen to everything. Um, I listen, you know, even my own kid is actually pickier than me. He's more into classical music. I used to be all about classical music, but even, even then, and even then I was, you know, into different things. And, you know, I can't say that some of the new stuff is my favorite, but then I hear things, even some, like, actually, I heard this amazing version of Which Side Are You On when I was re- re- researching it by this rap artist. Now I have to go look it up. It was freaking amazing. Um, mm. Do you know that song? No. So uh-huh. the song, it's the, one, it's the one on my album that's a um, sort of rewrite cover because it was originally written, check this out, it was written by a, a girl, a girl who was 12 years old at the time named Florence Reese. And she wrote it, I believe it was either, I think it was 1920, because it was either 1919 or 1920. Her father was a coal miner, and they were striking against the union. And so she wrote the song, Which Side Are You On? And it even mentions the name of the coal miner, um, or sorry, the uh, the coal mining uh, leader, like the leader of the company and everything, JJ something. I have the lyrics somewhere. Um, but so she wrote this song, which then ended up becoming a mantra for the marchers. Pete Seeger rewrote that song and sang it on the march from Selma to Montgomery. And he's the one who made it famous. I, in fact, I was doing a, a, an interview just recently and I was talking about it. He's like, oh, I thought Pete Seeger wrote the song, the DJ. And I'm like, nope. I said, so did I until I started doing the research. But actually he didn't. And it's been rewritten by tons of people. And it's just amaz- an amazing song. And I mean, you know. The chorus says everything. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? It says everything right there. You know, and and I I think you know, I actually made a video about it, and I think we need to be on the side of everybody, and that's the point. All right. And too many yeah. of us are 
only on my side. You know, I'm too many people are on their side rather than on everyone's side. Very, very true. Now we're going to play your song, Let Go. Tell us what that's about. That was my pandemic song. Um, <laughs> I wrote it during the pandemic because, you know, March was supposed to be when my life started again, March 2020, from um, June 2018 when my kid was first, um, when, it, when we first started discovery, because with him again, they couldn't do testing, so we had to wait for it to show up and to catch it more than once to, to prove that he had it. Um, that year and a half of discovery changed my life forever. Okay. And I felt like, you know, in January, we scheduled his SICD for March 16th. It ended up happening on March 19th. And I felt like I couldn't wait because I wasn't sleeping before that. I was terrified of what I might find in the morning. Mm -hmm. So going to sleep was very difficult. I was honestly drinking more wine than I used to to help me fall asleep and taking Xanax for the first time because it was the only, I couldn't sleep. I was terrified to go to sleep because I didn't want to wake up, you know, and not, and find something that I know somebody else had found in that situation. Um, I think I looked up every kind of thing possible, you know, can I get him, you know, what can I get for him? So just in case I've almost, almost tried to find like a dog, you know, like one of those dogs that can sniff out when, you know, cause there are dogs that can do that, but it was too expensive. But everything was supposed to start again, and then the pandemic happened. And that's the thing. Life is not going to do what you expect it. So I'm not good at letting go. I'm not good at letting go of expectations. I'm not good at letting go of what I said to the person the other day that I'm like, ah, crap, why did I say that? That was wrong. I didn't mean to be that mean. I'm not good at letting go of almost anything. And so I had to write a mantra so I can sing it to myself every day and say, let go, girl. Just let go. (laughs) That's right. Sometimes you got to just let it go. All right, well, let's play. Let go. <laughs> Hard to hand over preconceived notions. Memories linger, forcing my hand. It's hard to recover from the sadness. Can't help to see dark shadowed glasses Does everything inside become part of our life and vision can transform in just one night So hard a shadow what my heart says Climbing a ladder with always one rung to go But I'll keep trying No, I won't falter There's only Yeah. 
That was actually my first instrument, um, and I started lessons when I was seven years old. <laughs> wow. I wish I could play an instrument. You know, I have a um, smart keyboard that I bought four years ago that's been sitting in the box yelling at me, telling me to open it um, when I have the time. I plan to do it. I think it's, it's amazing when every, people can play an instrument. I need to do it. You're well, it's inspired. never too late. Uh, you know, Madonna, Madonna is proof of that. I don't know if you know the story. I, I have, I've always liked her, and I do not like her new music, but I will always respect her as an artist. Um, and one of the things that gave me the most respect, you know the story behind Evita? No. Okay, so do you, you, have, you know about the movie um, My Fair Lady? Yes. So the, fa- the famous story about My Fair Lady is Audrey Hepburn is in there, but it's actually Julie Andrews singing. Mm, I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. Um, because Audrey Hepburn was not a singer. She could sing right. sweetly and softly, so it worked for, you know, Moon River, but she couldn't, she didn't have a powerful voice. Um, she wasn't a singer, and I believe she was also a smoker, which, you know, is good for jazz. And in fact, I say good for right. jazz. It's not good for anything. It's not good for anything, but also <laughs> I can tell you one of my, one of my jazz coaches um, uh, when I was doing my master's, I was studying with um, Patty Coker, and she was, you know, at the time an 80-year-old re- semi-retired jazz singer. She was still doing gigs. She just couldn't sing for more than an hour and 10 minutes. That's how long her voice would allow. But she tested it to check, you know, was constantly doing that. But she was she was amazing. And, um, um, oh, my God, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, but one of the things she used to tell me is that they used to actually purposefully, back in the 50s and 60s, smoke like a whole bunch of cigarettes right before a concert, the singers, the jazz singers, to make their voice more raspy. Really? Yeah. So not that it's good for that, but the point is Audrey did not have power in her voice, so they had Julie Andrews singing. Um, When they created the movie Evita, they actually wanted to do the same thing. They wanted Madonna to act, and they wanted to use Renee Fleming. I don't know if you remember who she is. She's she's a, a... an artist who sang um, on, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the, she sang in the Super Bowl a few years ago, but she's also from the Metropolitan Orchestra. Well, Madonna refused. She said, I cannot do this. I'm a singer. What would my fans think of me? There was fights. There were lawyers, a big, mm-hmm. you know, 
a lot of, you know, going back and forth. And finally, they made an agreement with her. The agreement was this. Um, she, they would do all the filming first and then the audio. And while they were doing filming, she had to take daily lessons from opera coaches for places like the Met. Oh, really? And Yeah. And if you listen to her voice right before and you listen to her afterwards, and even if you watch the way she, you know, you know, if she's singing in the movie versus the way she sounds and versus the way she sings, if you can find, like, if you look carefully and look for close-ups of her, it's totally different. She's using her diaphragm differently. She's actually singing correctly, not just off the seat of her pants. And it, that works for many artists today, you know. They're, you know it's, it's like I tell my, my vocal students. You can have one voice or you can train yourself to have a lot of voices. Amen. That's very, very true. You know, and she did that. And more than that, afterwards, it clicked something in her brain. After that, she started taking piano lessons, composition lessons. And from what I've heard, she's way more you know, in charge of actually how the music goes now than she was before because of that, because she's able to talk with her arrangers and her writers and explain exactly what she wants in a way she wasn't before. And I've heard that she's actually a comparable pianist and guitarist now too. And mm-hmm. I have, uh, you know, so, so two things from that, it's never too late. That's right. <laughs> and it really, it's never too late. You know, I mean, she started learning these things in her 40s. Oh, I 100% believe it's never too late for anything. You just have to conceive it, believe it, and just do it. Um, Yes, amen. I I truly (laughs) believe that. Now, how important is it to you uh, for you to be an authentic artist? Uh, Probably too important. (laughs) No, it's never too important to be authentic. Well, well, okay, you know, authentic, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to answer also because what is authenticity? Um, that could be debated on as well. You know, I, when you say that, certain things come to mind in my head. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, does that have to do with morals? Does that have to do with, you know, who you want to show who you are as a person with your music? Or are you trying to be somebody else with your music? There's there's many ways that could translate it. Um, my music, I... Is definitely just it's it's something that I've dealt with. Every every single song is something I've dealt with. Even if it's a cover, which side are you right. on? Um, the the verses, you know, will you build that wall or will you stand for you know all? You know, things like that. It's it's just like it's everything I write is a reflection of me. I don't know how to be a fake person. It's it's been a problem for me because I can't hide how I feel in my face. Um, it, it is. It's a problem, you know. It's, I actually don't laugh. I dated someone recently, and I said I was proud that my child was an empath, and he said, "Why? It's not easier for empaths. It's harder." Mm. And he's right, but I still think it's wrong. <laughs> I still think I wish that everybody was an empath because I think we would have a better world, you know, if people could see yeah. outside mm-hmm. of themselves. So, it's, but it's true. Do we have? Do we have it easier because we're that way? No. You know, and, you know, uh, my friend Jane has said to me, well, you could be famous now, but you have more morals. And that's true. Mm-hmm. I was in jazz and um, I was approached by somebody extremely famous who wanted me to be in their band. And mm-hmm. I went to work with them in their studio and we started working on songs. And suddenly they're trying to kiss me while their wife and baby are in the next room. Oh, yeah. And that's one story. You know, that's, that's so great. my no. friend, my friend, and my best friend's like, you know, you could have been famous, but you chose <laughs> that you didn't want to do it that way. So, 
And that's not the only opportunity like that. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. So, yes, I am. Too, so in that case, maybe I'm too authentic because I refuse to give up my beliefs in any way. And I'm more moral than most, even though some people may not understand that because I do whatever, because, you know, we all have different ideas of that. I feel that way, at least. But, you know, somebody else might not. It's, it's so hard. Again, it's so hard to you know, define and, 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 and make it a small thing. I don't know. I don't think there's, there's, in my opinion, in my opinion, there's too much of being an authentic person. You just are authentic. If you're a person that speaks your truth, that's just who you are. That's your authenticity. Um, what the world has shown us is that people are craving more authentic artists, people in general, I did a webinar on uh, TikTok, and they said that uh, the most famous or the most powerful or the most viewed videos are people that are being authentic, because people want to be re- able to relate to something. People want to be able to say, oh, I can do that, too. So if they look at people like, let's say, mainstream pop artists or whatever, some people don't think they can achieve that. They're like, well, how am I going to do that? And how can I da 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 so that's why they relate to like artists like Adele. I went to the Grammys one year and Adele messed up and she was like, sorry guys, I'm, I need to do this over. Some artists won't do that. She's very authentic to me. She just doesn't care. She's, and she sings about stuff that we can relate to, you know, and yep. the boyfriend and all that stuff. You feel like you can call her up and say, look, Adele, I'm going through this thing. Or you can just pick up one of her songs and you just feel great. Authenticity yep. is very important in our world right now because of the past six years, we, you know, going back and forth where, yes, this is fake news, not fake news. What's real? You have to dig deep. You have to do your research to figure out what's what. So now people want what's real. They're tired of the, the BS of people trying to be something that they're not. So kudos to you for being extremely authentic, you know. Yeah. Thank you. I'm not sure it's always done me good, but well, not, it all it will always do you good to be who you are. Because it does I'm, my heart it does my heart good, just not my wallet. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. But you'll be surprised. More people want the authentic people, person like you. Believe it. Believe it or not. Now I'm going to play your song We Just Need Love. Tell me what that's about. Oh, that's about that exactly. It's about, you know, that we have to look at everybody's side. I think right now people are not looking enough at the other side. Um, growing up in Tennessee, I grew up around people who were very different than me, and I had no choice but to learn how to get along in some way or another. And it wasn't easy and it wasn't great. But I knew Trump was going to win when I was fighting with all my liberal friends up here because I grew up in America, not the suburb of New York. Um <laughs> which is a different country. And right. we, need, we, need to, we, we need to be more outside of ourselves. This is, this is a country that has the most problems because we're so spread out. In all other countries, people understand their neighbors because it's smaller. You know, right. and here we're really in like four different countries in America, and yet we're supposed to all get along, and it's really difficult. So we have to, we have to, we have to travel more in the states. We have to get to know people who are different from us purposefully and, and try to be their friends, even if we don't agree with them. As, as much as long, as long as we could do it safely with the current protocols. But I mean, that's the only answer. You know, I had a, this, this same vocal coach, when I first met her, um, said to me about a trans woman that we both know, that she needed to take her to the revival and get the devil taken out of her. 
This is what I, yeah, this was the, the, the vocal coach that I talked about earlier. When I first met her, she said that I had the choice at that time. That was in my first lesson. She found out that we knew the same person and said that about her. And I had the choice of running out of there or of staying in there and telling her or, or, or just, you know, trying to respect and understand where she's coming from. She's the only great vocal coach. This woman was Bobby McFerrin's first backup singer. So I stayed and I got to know her. And eventually she started to trust me. And slowly I was giving her articles, talking about this friend of ours. Right before she went into dementia, she literally said to me, oh, my God, I'm realizing I had this friend 25 years ago. I wish I knew what I knew now so I could help her. I'm positive she was trans and she just didn't know. Maybe she wouldn't have killed herself if I knew what I now people can change at any age but not if we are angry with them for being who they are only if we try to understand why they think differently and that goes for the people who aren't getting vaccinated the only way we're going to turn is if we befriend them it's the only way we need love no matter what all right let's play it
Beautiful. What do you love about being an artist? I love performing. There is a feeling, I can't even explain it. It's like I'm in a different world and it just feels right. I love people, the people that I get to meet most of the time. (laughs) Not all of them. (laughs) Some of them are just plain mean. There's no backstabbing that's needed. I had somebody like when I was in a competition just a couple of years ago as an emerging artist at a festival purposely tell me to go to the wrong place for another person who was competing. It's like, Mm. why, why do that? Does it make you better as a person or an artist? And those are the people, they will crawl in shame someday, in their heads at least. And that's what I mean by that, too. It doesn't mean like, you know, a lot of stuff that I say, I mean it metaphorically, you know. I've crawled in shame, things I've done. I think we all have, you know. That's how we learn and grow. But you mentioned, um, What is your writing process like? You play the violin, but you also sing. So how do you do the whole thing? Uh, it's changed over the years. Um, piano and I have a hate love affair in the sense that when I was 17, I decided, well, 16 and a half, I decided this is what I want to do. I want to be a musician. And I had been playing violin already forever. I got into music school as a violinist, but I knew I had to learn piano. I knew that they were even going to make me get a proficiency of, of piano at music school. So I started taking lessons and it just, for so many years, it still feels foreign to me, like, because you're sort of doing the same thing with both hands, but you're totally not on the violin, and I just can't get over that in a way. Um, so, but but now I, so back then, it was very different. When I first, it would literally come in my head, and I would use my violin to pick out notes and figure out a chord, which actually took a lot longer. Um, I have since become much more comfortable on the pianist, uh, on the piano. Teaching was the best thing for that because accompanying my students and having to learn tons of their songs and practice forced me to do that, which was great because now I can accompany myself on the piano and feel confident in some songs doing that. Right. Um, and so now I usually tend to sit at the piano, but it tends to just be something that comes out of a feeling or a worry or a excitement. Um, a lot of my songs, I will be driving in the car and suddenly something comes into my head, um, like, we just need love, we just need love. It literally started with that. Um, and I literally opened my recorder on my phone really quick and recorded that. And then later on, I started adding to it. And that's how a lot of, I actually have a recorder, like two recording apps on my phone. And now I have, because I've got a new phone, I backed them up. I think I have like a hundred songs that I never finished that I started that way. Because um, <laughs> I decided some of them weren't worth finishing, you know, which is why I respect Prince. We do not open his, his vault as far as I'm concerned. That stuff should never be released. He didn't want it released. We shouldn't release it. Amen to that. I agree with you 100%. So, um, yeah, we, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I know he'd be like, what did you do? Um... What? Yeah, I don't want some people seeing some of my pieces. Uh-uh. Oh, no, no. What, <laughs> what is a quote or message that you like to use on a daily basis that, that motivates you? Uh, uh, sorry, a quote? Or a message. Yeah, a quote or a message. Huh, well, that changes depending on the time. Um, when I was younger... This is going to sound funny, but I, and I still don't, I cannot get this quote out of my head. I heard it when I was like 13 or 14. It's been my favorite quote in the world because it means so many things and it's so true. It's all that the young can do for the old to shock them and keep them up to date. Mm. 
that was written by George Bernard Shaw. And I don't, I view that the young and the old, it's not just about young and old people. It's also about young and old living in terms of, are we being modern? Are we looking at what's going on now? Or are we living in the dark ages still? Because that's how everybody around us happens to live. You know what I mean? So it goes both for young and old as in age, but also young and old as in thinking in terms of like modern or antique, if that makes sense. Um, The last few years, I think my favorite thing, um, this too shall pass. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Which is what Which Side Are You On came from, We Just Need Love. I mean, it's all all of these songs, Let Go, all of the songs on my new album, that's what they're about, you know. It's just like, we're caught in a mess right now. We can hopefully change it, but it's a mess. But this too shall pass, some way or another. Amen to that. This too shall pass. <laughs> you know what? You take it one day at a time. You do your thing. One thing the pandemic has taught us is that we, you know, life is short. We knew it was short, but it showed us that it's even shorter. Sorry, than before. Um, so people, you need you need to just that you feel is right for you um you know it's interesting before we get off of here i posted this this quote and i post quotes every morning and this quote was like telling people you need to do what's right for you this man came and messaged me and said oh my god you're just telling the people that don't want to get vaccinated not to get vaccinated i said dude i'm not god and i cannot tell people what to do i was not a proponent proponent for the vaccine. I don't want that crap in my system, but I got it because I need to move on. The world needs to move on. And I love and I love to travel. So but I can't tell people what to do. I can educate people and say, okay, this is but the bottom line, it's that person's decision to do what they need to do for themselves. So but in this world you need to do what's right for you. You just have to go for it. I mean this is the thing that we have to learn about. This. If anything comes out of this pandemic is that if you there's something you've always wanted to do in love and compassion that's going to brighten somebody else's day, do, do it. Let's do it. Well, there's one, you know, the quote that I put on uh, my album was, uh, or my, my one pitch for my album was, be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. That's a Maya Angelou quote. Amen. And, uh, I think if you have the opportunity, and, you know, I think I've missed the opportunity a bunch of times, but I think I've also caught the opportunity a bunch of times as well. So I'm just going to try and catch up more than lose it. Well, Efrat, thank you so much for being on Chatting with Nat. I learned a lot from you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm sure I'm going to learn so much from you. (laughs) Amazing. You're (laughs) awe-inspiring. You're authentic. Everybody. I'm trying to be. <laughs> oh, I don't think you're trying. I think you're doing it. I think you seriously are doing it. Continue Thank on you. that path, and I can't wait to hear more music from you. Um, hopefully someday we'll be able to do an IG Live. That would be a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, yeah. get into the IG Live. Um, but thanks again. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. And I look forward to, I'm going to sign up for those a little bit. Uh, this month has been crazy because, uh, you know, I think I told you about the, uh, the, the, the kids school, they changed what he's doing. So uh, getting anything done is even difficult. 
the last oh. two weeks. But I know because my head's about to spin off. I'm thinking about purchasing a couple of clones <laughs> at this oh, point. Oh, gosh. Tell me where. <laughs> tell me where to go, please. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to save my money. Yeah, I'm telling you, get some clones. Do everything else that we need to do. But thanks again. All right. This was Thank uh, you. versatile violinist and singer, songwriter, Efrat, on chatting with Nat. You can find her on www.efratmusic.com. She's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just Google. I plan to get a t-shirt that says Google me because I'm tired of listing all the things that I'm on because sometimes you can't remember everything that you're on. But yes. there you go. <laughs> Until next time on Chatting with Nat. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.